The Start. On Demand. demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Tuesday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And today, we are going to have coffee and talk about email pet peeves. Greg and Loren were going at it in the newsroom this morning, complaining about the various things they hate that people do in email. So we decided to bring that to the air and have the conversation with everyone. We also want to ask the question, is it time to stop using the word midget in sports? Because a lot of sports leagues in this province and in this country still use it for an age designation. For example, the Manitoba AAA Midget League is a time to stop it. Global News is asking the question, who are the fentanyl kingpins in this country? And what they have uncovered is pretty staggering stuff. We're also going to talk about the dramatic footage captured by Air One, the Winnipeg police helicopter, of a pack of coyotes roaming through Shooter's Golf Course on Main Street. These coyotes came dangerously close to a man and his small dog. It is day two of our week-long series, Keeping the Faith, here on 680 CJOB. And on that subject, we spoke with our good friend, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology and winlove.ca about embracing different cultures and religions and how to be more inclusive and how it's not as scary as some of us might think. And finally, we want to tell you about a unique concert that is coming to the city of Winnipeg. Something called The Cradle of Filth. Right now we want to talk about email pet peeves. What was the email pet peeve you, Greg, and you, Loren, were discussing this morning? Well, I sent an email out last night and to a guest to ask them to come on the show and, and put you guys on that email, Greg and Brett. And then you came in this morning, Greg, and said, did that person ever respond? Are they coming on the show or not? And I said, yeah, they're coming in. And they just didn't reply all. And so, and then we started going on about why don't people ever reply all? Like, what is your deal with not doing that? I think people are allergic to it. I think they're afraid of reply all for some reason. And it's funny because the first text message we got was, my email pet peeve is where people reply all unnecessarily to a group email where an individual response would suffice. So I'm on the opposite side of that take. It's way more frustrating for me when people do not reply all when it is suitable and actually required. Yeah, and especially when you have asked them, I'll I'll say, could you please reply all? (laughs) So these people are kept in the loop. And of course, I get the email back only to me. So then I have to forward it to the people that I wanted it forwarded to. Yeah, that drives me crazy. Except for when you're, it's it's like a catch-22 because then you could have, for example, an email goes out and this has happened. Christmas party coming up. Let me know if you're coming. And then everybody replies all like, yes, me and my girlfriend. Yes, me and my kids. And it's like, okay, we all don't need to know your Christmas plans. That drives me insane. Yeah, so I think that would that would fall in line with what this listener has suggested where a reply all is unnecessary in that instance. And we've also had an incident in this building, and I won't give details or name names, but there was a situation, oh, my God, at least 10, 12 years ago where uh, – Our promotions director sent out an email saying, hey, I've got these prizes up for grabs. Uh, Let me know if anybody is interested. And somebody replied saying, yeah, I want, I'll just say, yes, I want some. But it was, uh, it was, there was some horribly obscene language. It was meant to be a a reply 
I seem to remember that one. <laughs> yeah. So it was immediately. You never, yeah, you never seen an apology email come flying out so fast afterwards as that thing. Followed by an email from the general manager saying, yeah. hello, maybe some uh, discretion would be used next time. So, yeah, you got to be careful with the reply all. But uh, here's a, well, this isn't so much a pet peeve. This is just something amusing. When I used to be Charles Adler's technical producer, and uh, Charles Adler is one of the most talented broadcasters any of us have ever met. But he's a funny guy. And sometimes he would send emails where his, the entire body of the email would be in the subject line. My dad does it. Yeah, like you have to copy and paste the whole thing and then <laughs> like put it into intense, a... Like he wasn't making an error? No, he just he just starts typing, and I think he forgets to, to yeah. actually move from the subject line into That'd the body of the email. Yeah. Is your dad doing that intentionally, Jeff? No. On purpose? Yeah. Like, no. Then nothing he does just... on the computer is on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> How about with a purpose? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Subject, subject lines are my pet peeve. The other one of my pet peeves is that they're not either specific enough, especially in a business circumstance. We had, I can remember my last real job before coming into radio, we had a whole half hour seminar about subject lines and why they're so important. I thought, you got to be kidding me. You're taking a half hour, and you know it wasn't even two days, within two days, going, this makes a lot of sense <laughs> for in terms of filing your emails and then retrieving them at a later date. So subject lines and a lack of subject lines are a little bit of a pet peeve. McNabb, you love I, to I send emails with those And I like that lines. search later. You're like, okay, what was that about? Let's try coyote? <laughs> no? Okay, milk. Oh. Milk. Like, just like makes no sense. I love doing that. Look for it. You know, the one that I uh, have the most difficult with uh, when I'm trying to book guests for different shows and that, just read the email in its entirety and pay attention. You know, no, I'm sorry, I'm not available to come on the air today. Well, that's good because I was actually asking for Thursday as I have bolded. In the subject know, line. Yeah, in the, in the email. Like, just take a second or two to read the email before you respond. I'm sure everybody, oh, just they'll read the first line and that's it. Bang. No, sorry, can't do it. Bye. But you're going so quick. Like, Jeff, this morning you had a mistake that you sent out to the whole whole country. All the chorus stations. I sent an email on purpose, but I also added an attachment of of a. But a lot of Max thing or something. I don't know. There's unintended attachments stuck to it. And then I had to send out a second email saying, just disregard that attachment. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. or, or when you send out an email, here is the schedule for next week. And then somebody says, uh, when Where? are you going to send yeah. the schedule? <laughs> oh, you forget to put the attachment, put the attachment on. on yeah. That's a big one. Forche, you got a pet peeve when it comes to email? Oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm the worst. I'm the one who always screws up the email. And I always get, you know... Um, where, yeah, just like the attachment. Where's the attachment? It's like, dang it. What did I do? I'm just I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Sideways email. photos is a bad one, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, me and email, we don't work together. You don't work together. <laughs> we work together. I'm just not good at it. I actually don't think I've ever received an email from Forche. What not about he doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> He's I been also, trying. I also am not a fi- fan of sign offs. Like, I, I cannot stand the phrase cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Really? Oh. Why? Is re- regards know. okay? I just don't just put your name. Yeah. You like especially if it's a kind of serious note like about something that went wrong or a mistake where we want you to fix this. 
Cheers. <laughs> it's like, what? It kind of softens no, a little bit. No, it does. It... It's like putting a smile. It's like JK, like when we were in junior high. Just kidding. No, you just <laughs> said something mean. You can't follow it up with a JK. Every right? single cheers one it. of my emails to Loren now ends with cheers. <laughs> cheers. Oh, without question. I wish I never said oh. it. And I love people that don't know how to use a period or separate their thoughts mm. and just type out like this <laughs> long email. It's like 13 lines. And it's just all connected, either no sentences or no paragraphs. It drives me insane. Can I just tell a quick funny story about email? <clears throat> this involves Jeff Braun and Richard Cloutier. I remember opening my email, and I, there was an email from Richard Cloutier. And this is back in like 2004, 2005. And it's an email from Richard saying, hi, everyone. I'm pretty, like a flower. And then the, the immediate next email, also from Richard, said, that's the last time I get Jeff Braun to close my email. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I remember that. That was fun. <laughs> that was a good day. Fantastic. Thank anyway. you very much, Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, Jeff Forte. And before we introduce our next segment, which involves an M word, much like Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, just want to quickly touch on something here. Mackling, you just said, I, I just tried a new flavor of Halls. What kind of flavor you got there? <laughs> yeah, it's just mint, like spearmint. It's it's quite good. It's not overwhelming. The whole room actually smells good yeah, as a result. Yeah, it's quite delightful. So nice it's just, and soothing. Oh, it's spearmint or just straight mint? It's just called, I don't know, triple soothing action. Just says... Doesn't even say it. Just got a picture of a mint leaf on it. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. Because I, I, the reason I brought that up is I'm, I, I like peppermint. Mm-hmm. I like spearmint. But I've never, I, I don't just like mint. Like you ever have a drink with a mint leaf, oh, like a like, mojito, like real mint. Yeah. Yeah. Can't stand it. I don't mm. like. I, I don't mind the taste. I just can't stand getting like. Like, why is there a leaf in my mouth now? <laughs> like, I just, I don't like that. Yeah. I, same way when people put horseradish in uh, Caesar's. Caesar's? Yeah, I just, oh. I, I just, it's like, the, I don't want the surprise texture. Yeah, the, I, the horseradish bring does add interesting flavor, but then, yeah, it's like drinking orange juice with yeah, pulp. Like, now I'm chewing. Yeah, yeah texture is a big deal when it comes to food. I can remember years ago uh, dating someone and I said, I have only one rule when it comes to food. No tricking when yeah. it comes to food. You Agreed. can't give me something and tell me that it's something else. And no trying to hide avocados and tomatoes and stuff that you know I don't like. You and don't then like telling avocados? me halfway through the meal, by the way, there's avocados in that. Can't do that. It's not allowed. As I say that I agree with that, I think about for the past six years, I tell my kids every single piece of meat is chicken. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Well, now they're good with it. But in the beginning, it was like, I don't like fish. It's like, you don't even know what fish tastes like. So then we used to say, this is chicken. If it was ribs, I'd be like, this is chicken on a stick. Like I just be like, this chicken. is all chicken or bacon. Like, and then you, and then they just started eating it. And finally, I was like, you know, that that is full on pig. That's a rib. Or you're eating pickerel. Now they're okay with it. You but. feed them some tripe yeah. and just tell them it's, it's chicken. 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 It's all chicken. Well, baby. inevitably, it all tastes like chicken, right? <laughs> One of my brothers always used to say that he didn't like fish from the water. He only liked the fish from the box. Oh, boy. Wow. Like, like the uh, eyeliners, the fish eyeliner. strips or something, right? I found the name of it, by the way. It's just called Cool Mint. Okay. Well, hey, 
It has my endorsement. By the way, uh, here's another M word, MacIver. We got a text message last half hour from Tim. We were talking about those coyotes, and we're going to revisit that conversation at 8.07. Police captured footage of coyotes at Shooter's Golf Course on Main Street. Uh, You can see that on the CJOB Instagram feed as well. It links to CJOB.com. But Tim texted us to say, once the river level drops, the wildlife will follow. The dry banks had a bear at MacIver and Henderson years ago. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, I, when bears start moving in, I start to think that that's, like, are we encroaching there? Are they a little bit more confused or just going farther to look for food? Not a good sign, yeah. right? A call for change to the use of the word midget in sports. Several sports around the province and across Canada still use the term when describing a specific age group. And as Global's Kevin Hirschfield reports, some say it's offensive and want it removed. It's a term Vivek Bagria is all too familiar with. Oh, hey, it's a a midget. I've always heard things like that. Bagria has excelled at many sports, taking part in several World Dwarf Games competitions. But in several sports around the province, the term midget is still commonly used in leagues for players between 15 and 17 years old. It could be U19 football league. Adult football league, why does it have to be midget? It's very derogatory. It's a, it's a word that brings up a lot of negative emotions. That's why Little People of Manitoba President Samantha Rayburn Trubick is calling for change. Meeting with Sport Manitoba last summer to discuss getting rid of the term, and a second meeting is now scheduled for January. Especially for these kids that are coming and are trying to grow up in a more inclusive world, a more supportive world. When they go out into the sports world as an example, They're reminded of that term every single time. Each league will make its own call, but Sport Manitoba says they are on board. We need to get it right, and I think this is a a fairly simple change. And again, I think language sort of dictates culture, and we really want to create a culture of diversity and inclusion uh, and acceptance. So this makes sense for us. Rayburn Trubick hopes change is near. This is just kind of part of that next step for us, is just climbing that mountain, and we're going to do it. Kevin Hirschfield, Global News. Do you think this is the kind of thing that might make people say, come on? No, I don't think so. Oh, I bet you there are many because they're looking at it like, oh, we were talking about some. It's related to sports in a certain age group or something. And I don't know if they're connecting the concern. I, I certainly feel now's the time to stop to drop this word. But I bet you there's a lot of people going to be like, oh, here we go again. So politically correct. I think most people, if they're honest with themselves, can see the correlation, can see why this would be uncomfortable and that this is something that whose time has come, right? Things things run their course. And I firmly believe that most people will realize it might be something that they never thought of before because it was just part of the vernacular. Uh, My team won that division uh, provincial championship, St. James Rod, years and years ago. I don't know if we're going to have to burn our jackets or our medals now. I don't think anybody's suggesting we do that. I think it's just time to acknowledge the fact that it's time to move on from this terminology. I don't think there'll be a lot of backlash from this at all. I don't think. I, I think the problem becomes they've been pushing for this for a long time. And so what's it going to take to make that happen? Because Sport Manitoba doesn't have the authority either. It's going to be coming up to each individual league to do it and each community. And so therefore, it's, it's a bigger than just these guys now mandating Sports Manitoba. Well, I'm just glad that the, the discussions are happening. They already had the one meeting with Sport Manitoba, and another meeting is coming. And uh, the fact that that discussion has begun, I think I it might take a couple of years, but I think that 
I hope that one day it will be dropped. Because I, it, I said it, I was surprised to even know that it was still used until my kids got back into sports again. Yeah, and I think that might be the reaction of a lot of people. And that's why I think it may change a lot quicker than than most might anticipate. It sounds as though Sport Manitoba, Janet McMahon saying, hey, this makes sense for us. And quite often it just takes someone bringing it to an organization's attention. Do you realize you're still doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I do. Do you realize this is offensive to a lot of people? Yeah, now that you mention it, we should probably move on from this. I, I think it'll be as simple as that. Well, what's the sports team that just changed for a different name? Uh, is it Cleveland, who, one of the baseball teams, did they not take away the... I think they removed their logo, but yeah, there's but they still, Wahoo. But Oh, so they removed the logo, but they still are the Cleveland Indians? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Or the Cleveland baseball team, as Greg usually will will say, right? Correct. Right. Well, the, what are you saying? The logo is not appropriate, but the name still is. I, mean, I don't I think, use that word. I don't I, use no, that word in my you. life. I'm right? saying what are people? So, what are people deciding that they're okay with? We start this segment with fentanyl. Yeah, it's been a growing concern, I think, for a lot of Canadians and Manitobans. We've talked extensively about it over the last year just because so many people aren't just using it, but they're dying from it. In fact, the opioid killed so many people in Canada in 2017, 2018, that it caused the average life expectancy in B.C. to drop for the first time in a decade. It's one reason why Global News launched an investigation into the illicit drug, who's using it, who's selling it, what gangs are behind it. Sam Cooper with Global News has been working extensively on this story and joins us now. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about what, what's what been the most startling thing for you in part of this investigation. That's a, a great question. Uh, there, there's so many things that we found, but for me, I would say that, you know, we set out to answer the question, who are the kingpins of fentanyl in Canada specifically? Who are the ones that are making the most money um, off off of this horrible crisis. And we found that a lot of people are making money because this stuff can come in in the mail. But really, who's who's making the most and, and who's sending massive amounts of cash back to China in order to bring more fentanyl to Canada is not surprisingly a game that's based in China. And they're called the Big Circle Boys. They've been in Canada for a couple of decades now. They started out... Um, uh, our, our, our research into court records from decades showed that they, they dominated heroin. And then when uh, profits in heroin started to drop about five years ago, they found a way to mix this synthetic opioid fentanyl into heroin and other drugs and make much more money. And they're so robust and powerful, really, because at some level, our experts say they have protection in various areas of China. So it's it's a bit mind-blowing to me that uh, these, this gang can control factories in China and they have connections with some elements of uh, military, state, and uh, police, and that's why they're so powerful. What is the benefit of adding fentanyl and cutting other drugs with it? Well, sheer profit, really. Some people ask, why would you want to kill your, your user? Um, and the police uh, experts and the politicians, some of the uh, a senator told us it's so profitable that they don't they don't mind if some if people are dying. Because, for an example, one kilogram of heroin in Vancouver costs seventy thousand dollars. Criminals can take about ten thousand dollars worth of fentanyl. And that's a very small amount of powder. Mix it into that kilogram and that turns into one hundred kilograms of uh, counterfeit heroin 
So you've turned 70,000 into 7 million worth on the street, that amount of counterfeit heroin with a $10,000 investment. And that's just unbelievable profit. Beyond that, they're mixing uh, fentanyl into pretty much every illicit drug just to make it more powerful and go further. So this is a real exponential growth for organized crime. Another thing that uh, really stuck out for me in your story here uh, at globalnews.ca, which the headline is Fentanyl Kings in Canada, allegedly linked to powerful Chinese gang, the Big Circle Boys, is that for crime kingpins, it's become a source of such astonishing wealth, as you just alluded to, that it's disrupted the real estate market in Vancouver. Yes. Uh, yesterday, we, we broke the news that a secret police study found that um, organized crime networks that police established as, as linked to, uh, to China and set up in B.C. have laundered approximately $1 billion through luxury real estate in Vancouver in just one year, 2016. And when we look at some of the neighborhoods in Vancouver, we saw incredible price jump, jumps over the past few years. And it's become very apparent that uh, that can be attributed to, to drug dealers. And so there's a real, there, there are twin or triplet uh, crises in Vancouver, and you see the trends going together. There's a reason why the, that uh, life expectancy has dropped in BC. That's because this gang is set up there. There's a reason why uh, real estate prices are surging, and it's because that gang is based uh, in BC. So really, these things are tied together. And Sam, so Lorraine and I were speaking in the newsroom this morning, and I said, well, this makes it an effect on the entire country, because the two hottest real estate markets in the country for the last decade have been Vancouver and Toronto, and I know we're talking about Vancouver here, but CMHC, the government, the banks have all made moves in order to try and cool the Vancouver and Toronto real estate markets. So this means all of us are paying for this in higher interest rates, higher CMHC rates, etc. It just isn't those using drugs and those living around them that are paying the price for this activity. No, you're absolutely right in that. It, it's connected to our banking system. It's connected to our insurance in many different areas. Uh, we could talk about auto fraud, and, and I could tell you about how organized crime is linked to that. Absolutely. People across Canada are losing money because of this crisis that started in Vancouver. And further than that, uh, this gang, uh, I know that they, are, they have strong bases, especially in Toronto. They're also in Montreal. They're in the prairies. I know that people in this network have been running fentanyl out to out uh, to your province. So you can't just say this is a BC problem. And further than that, um, police and military type people are starting to see what they believe is a national security risk linked to the strength of this gain in British Columbia. So it is a national problem. Sam Cooper joining us live on 680 CJOB. We have about 30 seconds left, Loren. I just wanted to quickly ask, they they see it as a national problem. Do you get a sense that they have a strategy to combat it, Sam? Well, I'd like to have a good answer for you or a positive answer, but the the police, um, uh, the the people in law enforcement, and this goes across many different uh, sort of types of people I talk to, don't believe so. They believe that other countries such as the United States and Australia have much stronger laws and federal police forces to tackle organized crime. And the reason Canada is getting hit so hard is because we don't have a plan and we're weak on this. All right, Sam Cooper from Global News joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Sam. Once again, you can read the story at globalnews.ca or cjob.com. 
Or you can link to it off the CJOB Instagram story. Fentanyl Kings in Canada, allegedly linked to powerful Chinese gang, the Big Circle Boys. If you go to the 680 CJOB Instagram story, you can see dramatic footage captured by the Winnipeg Police Helicopter Air One of coyotes, four of them, at Shooter's Golf Course on Main Street on Saturday night. And you can swipe up to watch the entire video. And that might seem a little close for comfort. What are coyotes doing in the city limits? So to get more details on this, we're joined by our good friend Barrett Miller from Fort White Alive, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Barrett, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, everybody. So is this uh, unusual for coyotes to be roaming around a golf course in the city of Winnipeg? Um, a golf course that's shut down for the season, um, right sort of at the edge of the city as shooters is, not really all that unusual at all. No, um, coyotes do quite well alongside people. I was going to, we were talking this morning, uh, Barrett, about the idea that, you know, depending on how you feel about being this close to coyotes, you know, some people thought it was great to hear the howling and to know that the coyotes were kind of in the backyard and then others expressed concern, well, it's all fine and, and good until someone is hurt. Is there any threat to people? To say that there's no threat to people isn't accurate, but to say that it can be pretty exaggerated, yeah. Um, coyotes really aren't all that interested in people um, as a source of food and certainly not um, as an object of straight-out aggression. To a coyote, people are bigger, people live a different lifestyle. Um, we, we are passing through the same outdoor space as coyotes. Now, that said, when we have our little canine pals with us, dogs are a lot closer in behavior and size and habit to those coyotes, and that's where the real friction can happen. And I know certainly uh, preceding that Air One uh, observation of the coyotes, it had been a fellow walking his dog that sort of attracted the attention of a coyote that sort of set the whole thing off. So what do you do, Barrett? You're out walking Fifi or Fufu and... Uh and a coyote approaches, is it just a simple case of picking up your dog and yeah. turning your, your back? What do you do? Control your animal. Pick your animal up if you, uh, you know what, if, uh, if your dog is small enough that it's going to get into trouble, you can probably pick it up. So do pick up your pets. Um, anytime you're confronted with any wildlife that's making you uncomfortable, in the city, you can call 911 or the police non-emergency line for help. Now, before you would do that, any wildlife. This could be a raccoon that's uh, in your garbage can that you don't want there. This could be a coyote up in River Grove. This could be a deer that has an unhealthy interest in, I don't know, following you down the street. Square your shoulders to the animal. Puff yourself up to make yourself look as big as possible and speak to the coyote or the animal in the deepest, lowest, calmest voice you can. But Tell don't, that you, don't run. Do not run. Turning your back, um, you know, they say be the bigger person and walk away. Uh, that can be not so much by coyotes, but some animals will interpret that as, oh, broke eye contact. I win. I'm going to chase. So, no, square yourself to the animal. Make yourself big. Talk to it in a calm, low voice. Channel your inner James Earl Jones. Barrett, a lot of conversation, at least in my corner of the city, where these uh, coyotes were spotted by Air One with mm -hmm. re regard to potentially the the completion of the Highway 59 and perimeter interchange, uh, cutting off some natural routes or routes for the coyotes coming in and out of the city, so to speak. Uh, is that potential uh, problem causing in, in, in this situation? 
You know, to the coyotes that have those trails and use those trails, it might be a temporary inconvenience. And, um, you know, I hate it when wildlife and traffic interfere, but coyotes are pretty wily. I would worry far more about the deer with their noses down following one another through the forest. Uh, And that's based on the fact that I'm going to name a couple cities that have lots of coyotes. Los Angeles, Toronto, increasingly the Bay Area and California. These are places, I mean... Los Angeles, freeways, right? First, one of the first things that comes to mind, I have seen urban coyotes in far, far, far more intense highway situations than we'll have in Winnipeg. Now, for those ones who are used to what's there right now, yeah, they're going to have to adapt. One of the reasons that coyotes do so well in our cities, they're smart and adaptable. So it's, it's a worry for those few individuals, but I think most of those individuals will probably figure out the new pattern probably quicker than us human drivers. Barrett, we have to get out of here, but uh, just before we let you go, if you see, a coy- like if I try, if I'm out for a walk and a coyote comes along and I try the James Earl Jones thing and they don't <laughs> back off, like am I in serious danger? It's an animal that's about the size of a small, like a small-ish, medium-sized dog. Um, as an adult, no. If you're with a kid, pick up the kid. Again, contact the authorities if any animal ever gets within your personal space and makes you uncomfortable. You are a big, powerful, strong omnivore. Get those feet and those fists flying, and uh, you're not really going to be in any danger. Um, any animal that will come that close, they're, they're bullies. A little bit of standing up to them will usually send them off. Barrett Miller with Fort White Alive, joining us live in 680 CJOB, the website fortwhite.org. And I guess I'll just <clears throat> try the voice here. Do it. Uh, so if I saw a coyote, then I guess I should try something like this. Coming up next on The Start, we're going to have a look at business, traffic, and weather. How's that? Another excuse to just to keep the Lion King on your phone at all times and just hit play. Oh, good point. I was hey. waiting for the Lion King joke. <laughs> you knew I was going to go there. Oh. I guess I won't let my kids walk the Shih Tzu around the neighborhood anymore? Probably a bad combination. I would suggest maybe. <laughs> more so at night, I guess. Yeah, they're going to get out of walking that dog yet, aren't they? I always love that advice of, and I get it, he's right, we're big and whatever, and go back against the coyote. But in that moment, are you running through the steps in your head or are you just running? Keeping the Faith, and that is what we're going to discuss right now with our good friend Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology and winlove.ca. Raymond, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good, good. So, if we were to ask you, how do you keep the faith? Are you a man of faith? Uh, yeah, I'm a Muslim, uh, so I would say I'm a spiritual person. I do follow a faith. Um, that's my perspective. Um, but you also know my rants on uh, diversity, and so I think it's really always important to be mindful about uh, having inclusive spaces where everybody can feel included regardless of their beliefs, whether it's a religious belief or it's an agnostic belief or even uh, one of an atheistic perspective. So, so when we talk about, sorry, Loren, right. when we talk about that idea of inclusivity, mm-hmm. does that mean muting everyone or does that mean giving everyone the opportunity to stand up and be counted? Yeah, I, I think it's the latter. Um, you know, I think what we've tried to do in society is sterilize people from this idea. We don't talk about religion and politics, and so we can never really become adept at talking about the the interesting things that kind of define who we are as people, and we always, and therefore we have conflict. We have conflict when we 
don't understand how to understand each other. So I think it's about creating spaces for everybody to feel included. And I think in modern day society, we need to be mindful that we are not creating spaces that unintentionally exclude people, which I think we do quite often. Um, and I, I don't think most people walk around trying to be exclusive, but when we only focus on one tradition, we are. Give me an example of that. Christmas. Um, so um, our, our Win Love campaign, um, winlove.ca, two ends, um, talks about one tip about celebrating everything. Um, I think it's become my soapbox. Um, I think my goal is to try to make sure the city or the, or the country, let's start with the city, um, starts to be able to celebrate every holiday in the same way, or at least one representative holiday for different groups in the same way that we celebrate Christmas. And I think that does a lot of things. I think not only does it allow people to feel included if they come from a different background, um, but it also informs and educates those who are not. And I think that's the way we, re we reduce discrimination and intolerance. How would you go about building that? Because we, we've even had the conversations about it'd be really nice if we could give a shout out to whatever group is celebrating a, a holiday this yeah. week or the day. And when you start to make the list, you're like, oh boy, like where, where, how would I refine that and then educate people on that? Does it start in the school system? I mean, wh where would be the go-to place to begin this conversation? Well, I think we can start in multiple places. I don't, I think, I always think that change works better when it starts with leadership and leadership could be media. It could be the government. It could be schools. Uh, it could be leaders in communities. Um, Basically, because what happens is then the people who are from the people who are trying to make grassroots movement usually have to counteract numerous barriers that leaders wouldn't always have. So when you go top down, it becomes easier for people to meet us bottom up. Um, I think the place to start is to build uh, relationships with communities. And yes, there are a lot of holidays, but there's a lot of Christian holidays. And in fact, we notice several of them on our calendar, right? Like Easter um, and Christmas. Um, but I think there's ways to pull in other uh, holidays as well too. I think there's a lot of holidays on our calendars right now that reflect, I think, culture not in a modern day sense. And I think if we didn't want to give people more days off, we can always replace certain things. You know, when January came up, uh, the rest of Canada was Family Day and it's Louis Riel Day here in Manitoba, which is a great thing because it, it is now becoming inclusive. Um, National Indigenous Peoples Day should be a day off. Um, there's a lot of research that also suggests that our productivity goes up when we have more days off, like we don't have to take every day off, but having more days off is really important because the research shows that as it stands currently, modern day society is overworked. And I think this is a nice way to, you know, for lack of a better pun, uh, kill two birds with one stone. Is it bad that, that we celebrate Christmas the way that we do in this country? I, I think celebrating Christmas is very important. It's a part of this culture. It's a part of so many people's lives. I think we need to bring Christmas back as opposed to the holidays. Um, but I think we can't just do that. I think we need to pull in every other holiday as well too. And most of the time, people are always worried that they'll say, you know, there's so many holidays, uh, we can't ever make this work. Um, the truth is, is that most people will fall under a certain umbrella. There's not that many. You could probably count them on one to two hands at most. And we could easily incorporate a large group of people in just a few handful of holidays. I was at... Um, I was at the mayoral debate forum on multiculturalism, um, and frankly, I was disappointed um, because the best answer wasn't the right answer. And, you know, there were people up there, including people of color, who said, you know, well, would you, I asked, would you, how would you work on uh, addressing this problem? And, you know, people said, well, we would never work. Well, we do need less work to begin with, uh, but number two, we would work. We wouldn't be having that many. I think that's a misnomer. Um, 
And I think it's a way for us to better understand the rest of society. You know, when I wish someone a Merry Christmas, then the way I celebrate Christmas is not in a religious fashion for yeah, me. Absolutely. It has the celebration of family and, and the time of the year. Mm-hmm. And I never, ever hesitate to wish anyone a Merry Christmas because yeah. of what it means to me. And so is there a possibility, you say more Christmas, not less. Is there a way of, of making it and creating Christmas as a more, just more inclusive under that umbrella in spite of the the root word of Christmas. Yeah, I, I think we need to be mindful of the history of certain traditions and right. why would one history of tradition trump another? Again, lack of a better word. Um, what we want to make sure that one history, one people's story doesn't kind of overplay other people's history. But as I'm saying, for me, and I think for an increasing yes. number of people, that story behind right. Christmas Eve yes. for a lot of people has been put aside. Yeah, and it's not a religious one. Correct. I get that. Um, but we have to understand the history and the tradition that comes with that as well, too. And it's also, if even we put aside the, let's say, the religious connotations, it is certainly tied to a certain culture. Um, there are there are Canadians of all backgrounds who come from diff- with different histories, and why not include that? Now, I'll give you an example. So we often believe that everybody celebrates something at this time of the year, and the truth is that's not the, that's not the case. Um, you know, we'll say, well, what about Hanukkah? Well, Hanukkah is not a high holiday, um, but there are times there are people in the Jewish community say, well, we go along with it because it helps us gain some inclusiveness. Well, why not celebrate Rosh Hashanah, which is the appropriate holiday to celebrate at that time of the year, um, and have everybody celebrate that? I mean, can you think about the reduction in anti-Semitism if we all engaged in a celebration, religious or cultural or anything, that was based on the history and the tradition of a different group of people? Um, I think that's the way to go. It doesn't need to be religious. I think people are always afraid that it means that it moves into a religious thing. I think every religion and every people come with a culture, and this is to me about celebrating culture. And could I throw in food? Come, yes, in, come with course. a different food, so the <laughs> yes. menu would look pretty sweet. But how about some shopping and some gifts is good too, right? <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people would argue that the meaning of Christmas has has been lost slash embraced depending on your point of view because mm. it, it has been so commercialized, right? It, it right. has more to do with this time of year. So I, I, I dig these conversations and yeah. I, I'm glad that we're able to have them. Oh, absolutely. You guys are awesome to have them. Well, because we just don't have them often enough, right? right? And, and to try and break down some of these barriers so for you, yeah. uh, you know, someone of a Muslim faith, which, which which holiday should we be celebrating? When would it take place? And if you could create it, what would it look like? Well, um, so Muslims celebrate two primary holidays. Um, there's two Eids. Eids just means celebration. There's a celebration, Eid al-Fitr, that comes after Ramadan. So people fast uh, for a month from sunrise to sunset, and it's meant to teach uh, self-restraint so you don't you mind your, you know, you don't intake food for a period of time. You're mindful of any kind of biological needs and anger um, so that you learn to control those things. But it's also meant to teach empathy for those to understand what it's like for people to not have. And at the end of that month is, uh, Ramadan, is uh, Eid al-Fitr, which, te- which is a celebration of charity, the idea that you give. Um, and so people celebrate. And I think when we think about celebrating, we need to turn to communities. And what they do is typically, you know, they have a lot of food. We give a lot of gifts. People dress up really well. Um, the city of Mississauga did something really quite amazing. They actually gave people free parking on that day. Um, 
so that they wouldn't get ticketed because they were running for prayer at like a central hall or something like that. And that's a nice way to kind of do those kinds of things. I think uh, the city's been turning on the Winnipeg sign in different colors, and I think that's a start. Uh, I think we go further. You know, um, I had pitched this idea to several local businesses or uh, uh, the downtown, not the downtown biz, the West Broadway biz, um, where they should have lights up at all times of the year. And regardless of people's holidays, like they would turn on. So we knew that something special was happening at that time of the year. Um, I think media organizations can do a little jingle, you know, whether it's for Ramadan, whether it's for Diwali, whether it's Rosh Hashanah, you know, so we learn to market inclusion um, as opposed to treating it like it's, you know, some sort of uh, like a token kind of celebration. Tackling McGarry McNabb on 680 CJOB. Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman is here from Clinic Psychology and winlove.ca. It's day two of our series, Keeping the Faith. And we are talking about embracing other cultures, other religions. And Greg, we have a couple of text messages that are sort of presenting opposite views. Yeah, why don't we start with this one? What a great way to start my day with the doctor you have in. My family's multicultural, Ukrainian, Polish, German, East Indian, African, Muslim. We got it all, but to include society as a whole and religious beliefs uh, of all good is harmony for humanity. Thanks. And sometimes when you read those, there's a couple things uh, lost in translation. And then here's the flip side. You can come to someone's country and change their culture. North America is predominantly Christian. We celebrate Christmas. Christmas. Quit trying to change our ways. We don't go to the Middle East and force Jesus on everyone. So why don't we start there, work our way back. You know, those are are really good points. Um, I had a I, yeah, I've had that comment come about quite often. Um, I think it's important to remember whose country this is. If we were to go back to whose country this is, this is the country of the indigenous people. Um, and so we need, if we were to keep any kind of culture as a standard, it should be that standard. Um, when we think about whose country it is, whether it's our country or other people's country, you know, I hold a citizenship, as do many other people. I contribute to society, and I am not Christian. I am not white. Um, I'm a Muslim, I come from a mixed ethnic background, but I would consider this country as mine as anybody else's. And, and the, you are as Winnipeg as anybody I've ever known. Well, I started Win Love. So, right? right? Team so Win Love. I just want to yeah. put that out there too. So um, the idea here is that whose country it is, the country belongs to those who live here. And the people who live here, the, the most recent Canadian census poll actually shows that um, about one in three come uh, Canadians come from a visible minority population. Another one in three do not come from a Christian heritage or background. Um, that being said, so we might think that we're doing better by al- allowing people and being tolerant of different ways. If you go to different parts of the world, if you go to Tanzania, I'll be there next. Uh, I'll be there next month. Um, Tanzania is a predominantly Muslim, like just over 50% is Muslim. If you go to Zanzibar, it's predominantly Muslim. But if you go to the hotels or the restaurants, there are Christmas trees up everywhere. Um, and the reason for that is to make sure that people feel included. And the the Christian population in Zanzibar in particular is a minority, um, but they make sure people feel included. If you go to the Middle East, if you go to Dubai, um, the airport has a massive, <laughs> most beautiful Christmas tree, and it is not the predominant culture or the religion. And the idea here is to make people feel included. Now, there are other countries in the world where the predominant background is not a Christian background, 
or a Eurocentric one, and yet they make sure that people feel included. There, there are many countries in the world that do multiculturalism truly better than we do. And I think that as a country, we might be multi-ethnic, but I think we're not multicultural yet. And I think that's my goal is to take us to that level where we are truly multicultural. The key, I think, to hear in this conversation, for me anyway, isn't that it's about taking away from someone. It's no. about adding to it. Absolutely. So we're talking about Christmas, not not watering down Christmas, but also acknowledging that there are other events that would be just as significant to another culture or religion that, hey, why not put that light up on the street? Or yeah. if it's a tree or a candle or whatever, however you'd celebrate Yes. And, and does it mean I have to join that celebration? No. How can you no. be anti-celebration? We love celebrations. <laughs> exactly. well, I think we also yeah. forget, too, that just the origins of Christmas, and it's changed and it's evolved over the years. And so there's often people who are being offended that they're losing Christmas, but but aren't the ones that keeping the Christ in Christmas, if you follow where yeah. I'm going with that, in terms of its original point, right? And so we are adapting. We, we do have to adapt to modern-day society. I mean, there are people who who don't want to celebrate Christmas and may come from that background. There are people who can't celebrate Christmas. We have to remember that when we push one way of being, we're not just isolating people who come from different backgrounds. We're isolating people who may not want to engage in that. There are, I mean, the levels of depression are very high during the holiday season. And part of it is due to the expectation that we have of what we should be doing. Um, I want to give a quote here. There's a very famous philanthropist from Pakistan and, uh, his name is Abdul Sattar Eddy, and he ran the world's largest volunteer ambulance network. And his famous quote is that there is no religion greater than humanity. And, you know, I think when we get back into this us-them argument, we forget the us concept, that we are really a part of a larger group. We may have, you know, the four of us sitting across this table may have different perspectives and different views, but we connect in many ways because we see ourselves as a part of a larger group. And I think that's the key piece that we need to be mindful of. When we focus on just one holiday, what we don't tend to realize is we unintentionally marginalize people. And there's a ton of articles uh, online. You can read them. There's a lot of people who come from different, who have a different Canadian background and will report feeling very isolated and left out during the holiday season that outside of that time, they feel so happy and so good. The moment it comes to Christmas, it changes. We'll have much more to discuss this week on Keeping the Faith, but Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, thank you so much for joining us today. We very much appreciate thank it. And again, me. where do we follow WinLove on social media? WinLove.ca. It's at WinLoveWin. W-I-N-N-L-O-V-E. McNabb on 680 CJOB. We get news releases of all kinds, including concert announcements, shows that are coming to Winnipeg. Yesterday we announced Il Devo coming to Winnipeg and we have more Beat the Box Office tickets to give away tomorrow. But we just got one from True North Sports and Entertainment for a show that's coming to the Burton Cummings Theatre March 18th. Tickets on sale this Friday. And I want to preface this by saying I'm not mentioning this to make fun of it. A lot of our listeners are huge fans of this music and I have tons of respect for metal. It's a band, I just, I've never heard of it, and I mm. love the name. The name of the band is Cradle of Filth. 
Jeff Forte, do you have anything there for us? Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking up some lyrics right now. <laughs> Honestly, he had a song ready to go, and then we were checking out the lyrics, and I gave a flag because there's quite a few swear yeah. words in some of them. So, oh, can you play like five seconds of the opening yeah. bars? I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to a little bit of a delay right here. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah, we need it. I'm scared. Okay, well, let's, 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 let's try this. Out. Let's try it out. <laughs> I'm so scared right now. And I, I'm, I'm bringing it down. I'm bringing okay, it down. Yeah, turn it off. Turn it off. We have not vetted the musical content. A lot of times these hard metal groups have some sneaky lyrics. But hey, the Cradle of Filth, the Cryptoriana World Tour. What is Cryptoriana? I don't know, but I'm so intrigued. It's the second coming of Vice. I feel like Gozer the Gozerian is going to come out with the key master and the gatekeeper. Well, sometimes it seems the monsters are very real. Oh, it, okay. Mm-hmm. It's actually they're, they're full. This is about their new album. It's called Cryptoriana. The seductiveness of decay. So take well, your take your partner and significant other to this concert. Well, and there's a picture of these guys and they've got these crazy blacked out costumes they're dark sort of coats and they're they're all they're wearing like fully black makeup and they've got red eyes they look like cyborgs yes yeah, cyborgs are like a like the legion of doom tag yes, team in wwe a video game. they're bringing back the whole looks like metal dress up tell you can't dress up anymore kind of thing makeup and all the yeah, rest i think this would be this it just looks like it sounds like it would be a really cool show so i'm sure fans of this band are very excited no, that I, they're I may coming. have found something that that we could play here so I, got, I dig it hey, Max, you want to read the sports tease out, of, out to some cradle of filth Maurice the Rocket was rocking it <laughs> after Jets practice on Monday and it was almost like a run for his run moment for Lamar Miller of the Houston Texans in the NFL Monday night game Oh yeah, Kelly Moore's got the sports at 925. <laughs> <laughs>The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.